welcome to the One Degree Shift podcast. I'm your host, Eric Termundi, and I'm excited to introduce you to the wonderful guests I've got on season two and the little things they're doing to create a more intentional future for themselves, for their teams, and for the communities around them. I hope you enjoy. Carrie Fraser, thank you so much for joining the One Degree Shift podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. I'm grateful to have you on the show. I've, I've followed you through previous career steps to where you are today as the Chief People Officer at Westland Insurance Group. And you know, I've admired how you do your work, how you show up in the community, and the impact that you've had on your people. Now, without giving away everything, um, I hope we can hear from you what you're up to and what you're most excited about right now. Thank you, Eric. That means so much to me. And I've also been following you for years, and it was such an honor that you reached out. It's great to be here today. What I'm, what I'm really excited about, so I joined Westland Insurance a year ago as the Chief People Officer exactly a year ago. And what I'm most excited about is the immense amount of growth that we're going through. I love building. It's what mm. brought me to the organization. But the layer that has added on that um, really gets me up and what I'm excited about is like, how do we grow and hang on to this really special, unique culture that Westland has? And uh, that's something with through at growth, through acquisition, many times gets lost and eroded. Okay. So you talk about unique culture. What is it about Westland that is unique, special, specific, different? It has something to do with, it's this family. And what I mean is Westland was originally this small family business and it's quickly grown. We have now 1,600 employees um, throughout multiple provinces. And yet we've maintained this feel of family. And so what I mean is it's approachable, right to the CEO, uh, humble, authentic, it's really nice. People are really nice. And so I've worked in such big corporations and this is a large corporation also, but there is this just like genuine humanness in the way that we approach things that I think is, I've never experienced in my 20 plus career. Where does that, where does that come from? Where does that approachability come from? What is it that happens inside these magical walls of of Westland that creates that family experience? You know, it does really start with Jason Wubbs, our CEO, and the people that, you know, he's very picky about the people that join the organization. And and so there's, there are things that we do. If I can give some examples, like we, we really do, people say that they lead thinking about people first. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually think companies say that, but that actually falls lower on the list lots of times. Um, And what I'm seeing is the way that we make decisions, really, we ask ourselves, is that decision in line with strengthening or upholding our culture? or Is it going to erode it? And that's that's really the decision-making process. There's things that we do around bringing kind of that humanness into work. So as an executive team, there's eight of us. Mm-hmm. We have done uh, a session. Uh, we spent a few hours, actually, a full day, and all we did was develop our working alliance. It's like how we are going to work together. And I know that sounds really easy, but it was hard. Every single word we debated and worked through, 
-hmm. and we agree and hold each other accountable to that. And so um, in that working alliance, we agree to like lean into discomfort with each other and be vulnerable. And so we operate like that. We've asked other teams to develop that working alliance. We meet every two weeks as an executive team, which I think is quite a lot. Uh, I'm used to doing that quarterly. Uh, We do it often. We communicate often. Uh, The way that we kick off our meetings is is actually just finding out how each other are doing. And that's, Mm. uh, we're sharing a positive vulnerability. It means like, what's going on in your personal life and at work and how are you feeling? And if that takes 10 minutes, that's great. But uh, I've been in meetings where it's actually taken us like an hour and 15 minutes because it was so Mm. important we stayed on a topic about what was happening in people's lives. And so what I see is we're having conversations about people's lives we're not asking them to leave it at the door which we've heard for so many years Mm -hmm. and like that makes a really big difference in how we operate tell me a little bit about culture consistency and whether or not that exists because you've got your working alliance with your executive team but then you're encouraging other uh, teams within the same organization with the same mission vision values to uh, create their working alliance too and what I've found, especially in, in these times of, of COVID over the past eight, nine, 10 months, is that culture can very much live at the organizational level, sure. But yeah. especially when we're just interacting with our immediate teams, uh, yeah. first and foremost, when there are no hallway collisions, water cooler moments, whatever it is you want to call them, yeah. the team then becomes encouraged to develop, uh, I'm not going to call it a micro culture, but, uh, but a style and a working alliance, if we want to use your sort of terminology that works for them. Yeah. How do we, or do we at all, maintain culture consistency top down while still encouraging the nuances and the intricacies of each each team's behavior within the organization? Yeah, I think there's a bit of both, Eric. There are things, you know, one of the things that uh, Jason and some of our leaders, including me, have done during this time of COVID is Jason, our CEO, called, he agreed, he would pick up the phone and talk to nine people a week, employees Mm -hmm. and managers throughout the organization to just find out how things are going and get some feedback. And I've been doing that with people too. So I think that that is setting an example of how we just take time out of our day and reach out to people. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing it from our leaders. But then that what what I see is then other people are starting to do that too, Mm -hmm. with their own teams of, of connecting. And so it's those uh, small steps that are really impactful that start to really permeate. So then what's the relationship between reach out, connection, family, and productivity? There's got to be a point where chit-chat and connection compromises work and productivity too. How, How do you sort of toe the line? I think what we've seen is it actually doesn't impact productivity. It actually helps. And so we believe that if you, if you're making decisions with people first, things what we haven't laid off a single employee, our revenues are, we're on budget, our productivity is higher. We're making investments. We've launched big technology. We've done nine acquisitions. I mean, in this time where we're seeing companies scale back and revenues lower and laying off employees, the time that we're taking to practice that kindness and humanness of work is actually 
we're seeing the benefits in our revenue numbers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in our turnover, all of that follows. I see Westland keeps posting about these acquisitions. Congratulations to you and the team, Thank by you. the way. It's if exciting, I'm being yeah. totally honest, I thought it was a typo uh, over and over again because I'm thinking, how can this happen so fast? From a people and culture perspective, what does culture like amalgamation look like or is there compromise or what does that, what does that blending uh, of culture look like and how does either Westland preserve the culture that has always been or how does it then grow with each, each acquisition that uh, happens even over the past few months? Yeah, I, um, so for the culture amalgamation, in terms of how the target acquisitions, it's so important that we have that finding an acquisition that's going to be a great culture fit. That's best for us. And that's also best for Mm -hmm. the acquiring target company. Mm -hmm. And so we are very picky around that as is the target target that we're acquiring. So right up front, we take time there. We also like try to take the best of both. It's so Mm -hmm. important that it's not just like Westline coming in and doing what we think is better, but really like, how do we actually capture what these amazing, they're amazing organizations that have been successful. Mm. So let's like leverage and capture that too. And that goes a long way with people. If it, as soon as it feels like Westland or companies coming in and taking over, sure. um, that negatively impacts the culture. And what I'm, what I'm seeing is our approach with that. So let's find a, a, a acquire a, a target that's quite in line with us, but then let's take the best of both. So what does that process look like? What are the, what are the steps that you take uh, to understand, you know, what should we keep and what should we not? Um, and then if you do want yeah. to keep it, how do you, how do you blend? Yeah. So we, um, we went through our lar- largest acquisition a year ago with first West um, at the time we brought in over 300 employees And the big thing is, is that, you know, we take time with the integration. There's no rush to integrate everything day one. Or it's not, so Westland doesn't come in and then bring you into everything. It's like, let's, let's close this, the acquisition, and then let's uh, do a ton of collaborative meetings and really understand what that company, the, the talent, the programs, the policies, Uh, We do that with every department. Like my team will spend, you know, multiple hours with that HR team or with those operations leaders really understanding. And then we make decisions together uh, with that new acquired company. So it's not rushing the integration, doing tons of planning meetings together, and then making decisions in collaboration. Um, And so that's been really important for us. When you're looking to hire new people, how do you educate them on sort of that family experience before they're walking through the doors? I mean, this might be very new to somebody and it might catch them by surprise, not negatively necessarily, but you know, how do you educate somebody on what the experience is at Westland before they've experienced it themselves? Yeah, we um, are, I mean, our talent acquisition team spends uh, quite a bit of time doing that up front, letting them know the, the Westland story and the history. We've actually got that all documented um, around in, in Jason's words and also his dad's words that was the original owner of that whole story and what it's like. So we've done a pretty good job of, of being able to tell that story. So each of our talent 
our hiring managers can tell it and our talent acquisition team can tell that story also. When you look at the future of, of Westland, you know, what are the things that you're considering right now to ensure organizational success from a people and culture standpoint? You know, a big thing for a top priority for the executive team is as building out um, this national brand is really mm-hmm. having people understand who Westland is. And so that's a big focus for us and scalable programs is very important for us because we were a small company that's growing up quickly Mm -hmm. and just again it's kind of guarding these aspects of our culture that are important like what are the things that we're okay to let go of and what are Mm -hmm. the things that we're um, not going to let go of and so those are the things that um, we're very focused on um, in terms of so it's like this national brand who how people know us and that that culture aspect what, can, you, can you dive in perhaps as sort of a, a final question or a final thing that I want to ask you? Can you tell me a little bit about understanding what to keep and what to let go? How does that come up and how is that ultimately executed? Is there maybe an example of something that you, you have determined with the team and it's like, oh, well, this is working really yeah. well or perhaps maybe something that's not serving us as well? Yeah, we've just spent the last two months doing culture and brand interviews. And so mm-hmm. we've done probably about 45 of them. We, we've used an external company and we've really delved into questions with individuals and teams at all levels of the organizations around or of the organization around what, how they describe the culture, what they like, what's challenging, what's concerning. All of that feedback has been brought back to the executive team and we're, we're working through workshops um, to really understand those pieces that we keep and those pieces that, we're, that we need to be aware of to kind of let go of. Um, so and we've heard that from, every, from multiple people in the organization. And so, yeah, so it's very much a group, a group effort then. Yeah, it is. Is it, you know, is there anything that you would share with somebody who's looking to embark on this sort of culture transformation, this growth journey that you've been on that's really served you really well? You know, a piece of advice or something to absolutely consider or not leave behind? You know, I think it is really, it's this pushing this humanness at work and it is really delving into spending time with people finding out, asking questions about how things are going, what's challenging, what's working, and getting sort of collective feedback from multiple areas of the business. I think that's very important is that it's not an executive team making decisions on their own, but really connecting in uh, to figure that out. That's been Mm -hmm. very critical. Carrie, this has been uh, incredible. Is there anything else that you want to share with us today? No, this is, thank you so much for having me on. I love talking about, about this and it's just an honor that, that you've asked me to, to, to be here today. So thank you. If uh, folks want to get in touch, where, how, where and how could they do that? Yeah, so find me on LinkedIn, Carrie Fraser. You can also, I have a website. You can find me, follow me on Instagram at Carrie Fraser. I do a ton of stuff around that and my website link is within my Instagram page. Awesome. Carrie, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Eric.